This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 to 7 on WSJS. So we're on a Monday drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where we called it a week ago, heading into the bye at 0 6. Frank Reich has officially passed along play calling duties to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. It's something he said since the very beginning, his first press conference that he planned to do, and now was the right time to do so. Getting to Frank Reich and Thomas Brown's quarterback, one of my favorite things to do at college football games is chat with NFL scouts. See who they like, see who they don't like, see what they're looking at, what they're looking for, what traits they like, tons of stuff. And while watching Drake May in person at Keenan Stadium just as Caleb Williams was self-combusting in South Bend, a couple scouts affirmed something to me that I've been saying on this show since the summer, and you probably won't hear anybody else say. As of right now, Bryce Young is a better prospect than Caleb Williams and Drake May. Bryce Young is better than Drake and Caleb. So spare me the, we could have had Drake or Caleb talk, If the Panthers haven't traded up, if Carolina hadn't given up a couple of first-round picks and DJ Moore, you've got a good one right now. And Carolina likely has the same issues they're currently experiencing at the moment if either Caleb or Drake is their quarterback. So let's go back to the dumb takes we heard around draft time in April. If Drake or Caleb were eligible for this draft, they would have gone number one. Something that happens almost every year now. What's new, what's next is always better than what you have right now. Happens all the time. I remember, oh, Trevor Lawrence would have gone number one if he was in this draft rather than Joe Burrow. Even though Joe Burrow just had the best season in college history. Even though it was an Ohio team drafting number one. And Joe Burrow's an Ohio kid. Even though Joe Burrow just outplayed Trevor Lawrence in the national championship game, Joe Burrow would have gone number one, despite how many times people still said that. Oh, Justin Herbert would have gone number one in the draft over Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury, before he was even the coach at Arizona, said, if I was a head coach and I was picking number one, I'd draft Kyler Murray. So I feel pretty confident he would have been the number one pick. It happens all the time. It's just as ridiculous as that. It's just as ridiculous as saying Trevor would have gone number one to say Drake May or Caleb Williams after one season of Drake and Caleb would have been taken over Bryce Young, who was fabulous for two seasons. And he didn't have fabulous seasons in the Pac-12 where Caleb Williams didn't even win a Pac-12 championship or a bowl game in that matter. Or in a bad ACC, which the ACC was a year ago, Drake May didn't win the ACC either. Bryce Young did this in the SEC for multiple years. He achieved more against better competition. But that's last year. That's April. That's old news. Let's get to right now. Caleb and Drake's 2023 samples have not been that convincing. Caleb, he beat up bad teams, scored a ton of points against Colorado. Oh, that's Coach Prime. Don't talk trash about Coach Prime, even though they were up 29-0 at halftime and blew it. Made Stanford's quarterback look like Drake May in the second half of that game. So the first time 
Caleb Williams plays a ranked team this year. He throws three picks and self-combusts against the Irish? An Irish team that just lost to Louisville? That Irish team. Now, I think Notre Dame's pretty good, but three interceptions? Find me the Bryce Young game in college where he was as bad as Caleb was Saturday. I'll wait. Actually, I won't. I'll save you the time. You won't find one. You want to know what Bryce Young's losses a year ago were? To Tennessee when he had five touchdown passes in Knoxville and to LSU, who the only reason <laughs> the only reason Bryce Young lost that game, he scored a touchdown in overtime. LSU said, we don't want to give the ball back to Bryce Young, so we're going to go for two and try to win the game right now. That's how good Bryce Young is. Those were the two losses he had last year. So give me Bryce over Caleb Williams. Something a scout told me that I thought was really smart. You look at the way that Caleb plays, it's constantly freelancing. When he's on schedule, what are you getting? What is Caleb? All the highlights are freelancing stuff. With Bryce, and coaches like this, you know exactly what you're going to get with him. There's a consistency with the way that he plays that, I mean, speaks to how good he is, but also how consistent he is. As for Drake May, he hasn't exactly been carrying Carolina this year. Like Even on Saturday, oh, Josh, four touchdowns, zero picks. How can you say that? 17 of 33. I was there. Like You could tell who actually watches the games and who just reads box scores. I was at the game, and I'm telling you, there were three, four, five throws where he one-hopped it that weren't good. Now, to his credit, he didn't throw them away the way that he did early on in the season where he had four picks in the first three or four games of this year of the year, but he he missed some throws. He missed some throws, and that was the first-ranked opponent North Carolina's played this year, and that was the first time he played a defensive line that was worth anything. So I'll wait and see, again, a much smaller sample size with Drake than we have with Bryce Young, and Bryce continues to make strides. Last week, it was the first multi-touchdown game he had as a starter against the Detroit Lions, a pretty good defense. Oh, Josh, but that was all in garbage time. Okay, the Dolphins are a better defense than Detroit's. That wasn't garbage time that he scored those, led those two touchdown drives to get started. Oh, but what about the rest of the game? Took a ton of sacks. I think he took four sacks, five sacks in the game. Did not turn over the ball. Something he hasn't done in any other game this year. So he's making strides. He's a rookie quarterback. He's facing good defenses. Here was Frank Reich after the game speaking about that progression. I thought he was seeing the field very well today. Um, you know, particularly in the first half, you know, well, really the whole game, he saw the field well. So um, really like, really like the direction that he's going. And the offense overall has to be better, but there's, there's some positive things there. So I get it. The new thing's always better than what you have right in front of you. What hasn't been broken down, the mystery, the allure of what's coming is always better than what you've already broken down and what you know to be good. And... I get it. Caleb Williams, oh, what's next? He's the guy. Oh, Drake May, he's the guy. Give me Bryce Young over both of those guys. Carolina's got a good one. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in on the show. That's where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. WT, you have a Sarah McLaughlin cooked up for me for that oh, Miami, North Carolina I, pick. I, I got to tell you, I've been in this kitchen all day slaving <laughs> over this, and it's it's coming uh, out of the oven here in just a few minutes. Oh, so later this hour we'll get to that. Yeah. You also got Skips or Plays with Hayes on the menu as I do. well. That's prepared for the bottom of the hour. 
The preseason AP basketball poll was released today, and it's just another reminder of how difficult Duke and North Carolina's non-conference schedules really are. Starting with Duke, who is ranked number two, North Carolina ranked 19th, Miami in between them at 13, Kansas, the number one team preseason, by the way. The Blue Devils, they're going to face four ranked teams early on. How about this? Number 12, Arizona, is going to go to Cameron, Caleb Love, the last time he'll play at Cameron. And then it's going to be number four, Michigan State. Back-to-back games. These are two of the first three games for Duke. So in the first eight or nine days of the season, here's number 12, Arizona. Here's number four, Michigan State. How's that for a start of the year? Then they're at, a little bit later on, at number 14, Arkansas. That's the first ever ACC-SEC challenge. Then, right before Christmas, it's number 20, Baylor, at MSG. Four ranked teams on the non-conference schedule for Duke. As for the Tar Heels, they're probably looking at four, maybe five ranked opponents. Right now, we only know of three of them. They're all compacted. Number 9, Tennessee in the Smith Center. Number 6, UConn at MSG. Number 16, Kentucky in Atlanta, all in a four-game stretch. It's in the middle of that seven-game stretch we've been telling you about for a while that's all against high major competition. And the reason why I say it could be four or five ranked opponents, it depends on what happens in Battle for Atlantis. If North Carolina wins its first game against Northern Illinois, or pardon me, Northern Iowa, which you can assume they will, odds are you're going to get Villanova, who is ranked in the preseason poll at number 22. Later on, you could get Arkansas, who, as we mentioned, is 14th in the country and on Duke's schedule. Pretty difficult stuff for Carolina, and it all comes in a row. You also have that Florida State ACC game in that seven-game stretch. You have Oklahoma and the Jumpman as well. Duke should have been ranked number one over Kansas, by the way. Both fell out in round two of the tournament last year. Duke got more back, but it's Kansas, and they landed the biggest transfer portal ad or the most noteworthy this offseason with Hunter Dickinson. Never was a Hunter Dickinson guy. Didn't think he had that good of a year at Michigan last year. So I, if it were me, I would have picked the Blue Devils number one, but okay, number one, number two, you're still, a lot of people still think a lot of you. North Carolina at 19, that's fine, I guess. North Carolina is never going to miss the AP preseason poll, even if they deserve to. They're never going to miss out. North Carolina is going to be there somewhere. It's hard to have problems with them coming in at number 19. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Before we play Skips or Plays with Hayes, if Hayes Permar joins us, I just want to know what is moving Hayes Permar's needle right now because there are so many things that go on in the month of October, especially among our local teams, whether it be Travis Scott hanging out at North Carolina's basketball practice Saturday and then canceling his show hours later at PNC Arena or the AP poll dropping the day and Duke's number two behind Kentucky or pardon me, Kansas, got to get my blue buds right. North Carolina's at number 19 after missing the tournament last year. You've got Tar Heel football. Everybody in that press box was ready to make the, oh, basketball season starts soon joke if Miami were to pull off that upset. But Mac Brown's team says no. And now they climb over Alabama after an Alabama win to get into the top 10. So I'm presenting a lot of options. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey getting cozy over the weekend. 
SNL returning, Carolina jokes being presented on SNL. What's moving Hayes Permar's needle? Wait, there was Carolina jokes on SNL? Yeah. Panthers or heels? Oh, Tar Heels. Ah. Um, what's moving my needle right now is the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Rialto because uh, we just had a – no, it is like, – like a lot of people, you'll find uh, – Hold one sec. Pause. WD, have you seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? No. Oh, have wait. This, I, yes. Well, absolutely. You have you seen it at the, at the Rialto, Graham? No, I need to. Okay. Like... <laughs> then you haven't seen it. You may have seen the movie, but you have not actually seen it, experienced it until you've seen it at midnight with a packed house of 450 people and all kinds of, I mean, I can't even, you, you just have to come see it and just know at the very beginning, part of the show is who's first time, who is it your first time here? And if so, come down to the front. Um, and I, I believe uh, you will play very well to that part, Josh Graham. There, uh, you won't be able to talk, take a lot of pictures, but you can talk about it afterwards uh, in an Instagram analysis. But um but no, like uh, I remember seeing um, Neil Amato, Jim Young, trying to think of others, your former stalwarts of the Triangle and North Carolina sports community. Then, especially when newspapers went through a tougher time, they transitioned to other jobs. Obviously, they were highly skilled writers, but and they just probably deserved higher salaries than the sports community could afford to pay. And I remember thinking, yeah, but they still got to like – watch all of the same sports, right? And it is amazing when sports is not your job, you still love it and you're still drawn to it. And even still, when I saw the, I was sitting next to a comedian who had performed Saturday night, he was watching the Bears and I was not watching the Panthers. But as soon as I saw the Panthers were up 14 nothing, I was like, I'm a Panthers fan, baby. Hold on, I'm back, you know? So you can get drawn back in, but it is, it is truly impossible. And I'm sure like parents of young kids would tell you this, it, sports is awesome and it's a great thing to fill time it's one of the the first things i'll use to fill my time before great tv shows or whatever like live sports the fact that it's happening now is amazing it's live it's, action Tracy. but it also falls quickly off the radar when you get busy with other things so i'm paying attention i made a joke on facebook last week i was like all right an undefeated 5-0 heels is Worth it for me to drive over to Chapel Hill for, you know. Um, and I, I know all the things you refer to, but I'm just uh, – it is tough to be uh, full-time passionate about sports the way you are when you work on, at it. Hayes Permar, just begging us to get to skips or plays. No, no, no. Hayes. I'm, get I'm the willing people, to talk about stuff. I'm get, giving you an honest No, answer. no, no. Just, we got to give the people weekends. what they want because it is Panthers-themed. Notice I didn't mention the Panthers in that. Panthers-themed. Skips or plays with Hayes. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil Trick. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. And WD just shared the theme with us a short while ago. The Carolina Panthers are 0-6. They're entering a bye week. It's bye-themed <laughs> Skips or Plays with Hayes. Bye-themed. <laughs> I don't know what that uh, means, but we're going to find out what I that mean, means I, right you know, now. 
some people might say the Rocky Horror Picture Show is bi themed as well. That's I mean, it. You know, so oh. uh, you just we accept everyone. I so doubt any. <laughs> I doubt Meatloaf's going to make an appearance on this. Right. Skips or plays with Hayes. But what know. do we have here to start us out? So this could be like any type of buy anything. So we're going to start off anything. Yeah, like buying something. So we're going to start off with thrift shop. Oh, oh my God. Just do it. No, no. I like the song. We're playing this song. Let's go. I really like this song. It's a group. Got a nice little beat. What happened to that? Remember when he was like the biggest thing in the world? I think when he started to get like super like sentimental and less fun. That kind of like. faded fast. Like, because I remember speaking of bye. Like when I. There are a few people in my life people that are gay that will say the one of the worst things about being gay is people assuming you like that one Macklemore song. Right. <laughs> well, it also gave us one of the Same love is what it's called. One of the greatest, you know, humor songs of all time, the Andy Samberg one, basically oh. parodying the Macklemore. Just an unbelievable song. But no, I, here's my, the faces I was making of disgust is this, like, if we're going to do a Panthers theme, Let's go all in. It needs to be disaster songs, no. like burn it down, or like so lonesome I could wait, cry. Wait a minute, like, you don't think uh, at the as the trade deadline approaches that Scott Fitterer is going to be thrift shopping? Oh, no, no. If, if there is going to be a Panthers theme, it needs to be of just like it needs to be. I mean, I wish I could think so. bad, bad by Michael Jackson. I'd accept that. <laughs> just bad. He's bad. The Panthers are bad. That's, you know. Next week, WD. You hear that? Next week, we'll do another Carolina Panthers theme one for next week, and it's just going to be WD pulling disaster songs. It's going to be like the the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's going to be a feature. Writing it down. Writing it down. For the song alone. Who sings that? Is that Gordon Lightfoot? Is that who that is? Yes, that is Gordon Lightfoot. For the song alone, I'll give it a... I'll give it a play. I actually, I find that song kind of catchy. What's the next bi-related song? It is funny you mentioned Michael Jackson because we're gonna go with "Never Can Say Goodbye" oh. by Jackson Five. Really? Never can stay goodbye. All right, Will Dunn's cheating here too. He's still trying to work his little theme, but he's picking a uh, Michael Jackson song that he knows I'm gonna like. This is also a classic. There's several songs that have this. Um, I think of like Sweet Blooming Two Eyes by Crosby, Stills, Nash. Songs that feel like two different awesome songs within one, right? And so this one has the first part where it's like, Never can say goodbye. And it feels like a slow groove kind of like, you know. But then at the end, it's the same song, but it feels like a different song when it's like a full on like gospel soul. Never can't say goodbye, girl. No, 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 no. It's like mm. two songs in one, and it's definitely a play. Hey, Spermar. I think it was Michael Clark Duncan that was in the Longest Yard remake, and I'll quote him here, the late Michael Clark Duncan, if I'm not mistaken, who said, uh, I like little Michael. <laughs> and uh, I think that checks out in that song. Okay, two for two plays. Let's see how, how far WD can stretch this in the third song. 
I'm curious if this is going to be on the nose or not. Let's find out together. So, the theme should have just been by Theme should have been by I mean, Once you said Panthers theme, I was just thinking it had to be disaster. That's the bye. said theme is bye week. It's the bye week. Uh, now, this is great. And then shout out to, I feel like now, thanks to Ted Lasso, everyone knows how to do like the, what what does he do? Like step, 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 bye, bye, bye. That's correct. Like, step, Ted step, Lasso step. now bye, owns bye, this bye. band. Um, you know what? You don't want to. Come on. You don't want to do it. No, I'm skipping it. No! Hate it. Get out of here. Have you? It's been kind of cool in the last few weeks. Apparently, like on every sporting event, going into breaks, going out of breaks, this new Rolling Stones song that has Sidney Sweeney in the music video as well, called Angry, it's good. It's new Rolling Stones that's good. And also, uh, there's a new NSYNC song. That that's dropped. That's actually decent as well. That I enjoy. Usually, I listen to this thinking, "Oh man, I'm here for the dumpster fire. I'm here. This is going to be terrible." And in both cases, I liked both some of the new music. Yeah, but yeah, that's good enough. But did, did I hear you say Sydney Sweeney? Yeah. Let's see, okay. From Euphoria. Is, is <laughs> a video? Okay. Had to get a double right. take on that one, didn't you, Fairmore? I'll check that. Out. I will say the thing about a Rolling Stone song is uh, you won't know it's good for like 20 years. Like you can't have a new Rolling Stone song. Well, there was one... Uh, Dude, it's good, and it's everywhere right now. Like, I, I turned on three football games this weekend that had that as, like, the bumper music going out of breaks, and it was on different networks. One was on Fox and for an NFL game. Another was on college football. It's everywhere. Like, see if you can pull song. this angry by the Rolling Stones. See if we they can released that. Voodoo Lounge in the 90s, and there was, like, a song on there. But it's because but it's when you hear Rolling Stones, or at least my generation, like... I didn't I obviously didn't grow up when New Stones music was coming out. You just sort of knew all their hits by the time you like, you know, knew anything about music. So when they put out a new song, it's like, well, this isn't a classic Stones song, so it can't be a good one, right? So it takes like 20 years for you to be like, all right, now that it's 2015, we can re- recognize that Stones song from like 1995 is a good one. So in 20 years, we'll we'll decide whether or not this is a good song. Here it is. Angry Rolling Stones. We can't hear it. Oh, well. That was a good try. I can look it up. Um, yeah, just check it out later and let us know what right. you think uh, because we're actually contractually required to keep it to three songs that Hayes skips or plays. Uh, someone's right. right again. It's not Michael Clark Duncan that was in Longest Yard. Sorry. I said I thought it was Michael Clark Duncan. I forget who hey, it was. You killed him, too. Said. Didn't you kill him? Is he dead, too? Or is I don't he? Know. Please, you, don't tell you, me, you, please don't tell me he's alive. Did you do it again, Josh? Did I kill Michael Clark Duncan? Did you do it again? Who who is the other guy that he, he died in 2012? Oh, okay. This is the first time I've been happy to say that, just because <laughs> I didn't want to be the guy that killed Michael Clark Duncan. Okay, he's great, but was not in Longest Yard. Hayes Permar. Next week we know what the Skips or Plays theme is going to be, and we'll figure out a time to get the show out to the Rialto as well. Enjoy Rocky Horror Rocky Horror Picture Show. Bring it. We'll do it again this week. Come see us, boys. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS.
What a wild NFL Sunday it was. Obviously not including the Carolina Panthers losing by three touchdowns. This is a Pantherless segment. We can get back to the Panthers in about 10, 15 minutes or so. We need to get to the rest of the NFL action. And to do so efficiently, we'll recap the NFL Sunday by attaching letter grades to it in Graham's grades. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. We don't need no education. Who passed the test? If one of y'all says some silly name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know. Josh Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending and a know-it-all. Time for Graham's Grades. Let's get to the good. Let's get to the bad. Let's get to the meh. And there was a lot of the latter two for us to limit to just five, but we did our best. Let's start with the very good. A. The Detroit Lions. They handled Tampa in Ray J. And they did so while the Bucks were wearing their creamsicle throwbacks. That makes it even more impressive. I thought there was no chance Tampa was going to lose in those uniforms. Turns out, when facing the Lions... The way that they're cruising past people right now. That wasn't even close. Detroit, one of the elite teams in the NFL. I think there's no question about it. B, the Washington Commanders. How about Sam Howe? One in Atlanta. That is quite the way to bounce back after your last game being that Thursday night loss to Chicago at home where you had your score double. That's Washington needed a response. They had it, and they're still every bit in it in in contention of being a playoff team. They're 3-3 and at the moment. That's a really good win for them. I don't think Desmond Ritter had lost at home before yesterday. The voice of the Atlanta Falcons, Wes Durham, going to be our guest a little bit later on, 535. He'll be dropping by. Washington, that's a B win in Atlanta. C, the Buffalo Bills. They won, but boy, was that gross. That's the definition of a C win. You won, but you're a two-touchdown favorite facing the Giants and Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor's at the goal line calling run plays at the end of the first half when you don't have a timeout. That's tough. And then at the end of the game, you got the fourth down defensive holding pass interference call, but then they don't call it on the untimed down with Darren Waller in the back of the end zone. Our old friend Marcel Louis Jacques, I think, said, plain and simple, the referee was scared to make the call in that spot. Scared to call that play, call that foul on back-to-back plays at the end of a football game, and the game being in Buffalo, I'm sure, impacted that as well, either consciously or unconsciously. I think I'm with him. I think the referee thought that we just gave you this break to give you a first down and an untimed down at the end. You're on the road. We're not going to call it again. And they didn't. Some of you will take issue with that. Many have. But that's just the reality of how officiating works. And reality as well as if you executed that at the end of the first half the way that you were supposed to, either with a touchdown or at worst a field goal, you might not need the untimed down and all that from the officiating crew at the end. D. San Francisco 49ers. It's not an F. Because 
we could lay it all out for you, and we did on Friday's show, why this was a dangerous spot for San Francisco. You played Sunday night football, and then the following week are going on the road, West Coast to East Coast, 1 o'clock game. Bad weather in Cleveland. Christian McCaffrey, he got banged up in the game. You didn't have him at the end. Wasn't Debo Samuel also hurt too? That's right. The recipe's there, and also the Browns. Decent team, especially that defense. Coming off the bye, yeah, the signs were all there. You were still unbeaten and lost the game and missed a field goal at the end where you could have just had it. Robbie Gold makes that kick. I don't know what a Jake Moody is. It's a D, it's not an F. F. The Eagles are an F. I don't think the Jets are bad. WD has these conspiracy theories. It fitting with Aaron Rodgers' conspiracy theories that he might be back by the end of the season after rupturing his Achilles because there's video of him throwing footballs on the field. A medical expert apparently said... Who's the medical expert? I don't know. What's their expertise? I didn't... That didn't, matters. Didn't have time to look then into I don't, it. I don't, All I'm I, saying I don't is a medical say. expert Don't said cite medical experts he, if you don't know who the medical expert is. There's a chance he could be back by week 15. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, you saw him throwing it around yesterday. Okay, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Just throwing random medical experts said you can you you could be 39 and heal from an Achilles injury in two months. But that's usually an eight to ten month, maybe longer deal for people that aren't 39. But yeah, it's a the Eagles, that's an F. That's an F because they led pretty much the entire game, fell apart in the fourth. And that weather, bad weather kind of subsided by that 4, 4.30 window. And they didn't deal with, it's not a lot of travel to get from Philly to the Meadowlands. So that's the F for the weekend. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. The stage is set for a Tar Heel letdown in primetime at Keenan Stadium. And a touchdown! Tess Walker! It just seems too good to be true for Carolina, doesn't it? Launching it again for Walker! He has it! Touchdown! The Canes, that was the most embarrassing loss anybody's had all year long. So of course, a week later, the Hurricanes, they're going to beat a top 15 team on the road the following week. Last play, Van Dyke. And intercepted, Geo Biggers ends it. Fourth Miami turnover. I just have that feeling. One of the two unbeatens could go down on Sunday. I'm more concerned for San Francisco than I am Philly. I don't think either one of them are going to lose. What a hot take on your part. I mean, I'm just telling you how I feel. <laughs> a drive-by of WD at the end. <laughs> I guess we were both wrong. I, I felt like either San Francisco or the Eagles were going to lose, and they both lost. <laughs> the only person that was really wrong was WD about that <laughs> I guess I don't deserve much credit for saying that on Friday or predicting that Thomas Brown would be the play caller for the Panthers coming out of the bye week, which was announced by Frank Reich today, or 
I don't deserve any credit for going six and four and Graham's gambling. Send me that cash out, fam. As well. Don't deserve credit for any of that. Transitioning things. We welcome in our friend Wes Durham to the show now. We saw you Saturday night on the call for Duke and NC State. And what a win that was for Duke. I was in Chapel Hill watching North Carolina play their first ranked opponent of the year. And even though it was just a 10 point win, they it it was a lot more lopsided than that in the fourth quarter. What was more impressive to you? What the Tar Heels did or what the Blue Devils did Saturday night? Well, Carolina is going to have to answer all the history questions as they move forward here, right? Let's that's a given, right? All the history of you've been here before and yet it hadn't happened and they answered that one of those questions certainly on Saturday night against Miami. And now Carolina is one of the few teams. Washington is in that category. They're undefeated. Georgia's won two national titles, so it's hard to say they're in that category. Michigan going to have to answer the questions, right? Every week you're kind of writing your latest version of history, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So for Carolina to win the game, that was certainly impressive. And I thought Miami would give them a full shot, and they did. Uh, Miami still turns the ball over too much. Uh, something that started in the Georgia Tech game, and they didn't live to tell about it. They could have. They chose not to. Um, And then I would tell you that Duke impressed me because it's not just built for Riley Leonard. It's now built to win on both sides of the ball. I mean, mean, to me, the physicality they played with against a team known for physicality was pretty impressive Saturday night, really on both sides of the ball, but especially what they did defensively, Josh. Let's get into what North Carolina has done leading up to Saturday, or I guess we can include Saturday in this as well, because all it is is you bring up past history. Well, can you meet every single benchmark of things that in the past otherwise would trip you up? Oh, coming off a bye was an issue for Mac. It wasn't when he was at Texas. Right. He was 37-1 and one at Texas, and then it was a problem in early years when North Carolina, Mac would admit to us and has several times that the teams weren't as mature as this one is, which, used, right. which seems to be the solve for a lot of things. Complimentary football, winning different ways, winning yeah. off a bye, beating a ranked team, winning on the road, winning a neutral site. It just seems like surviving a scare against App State. It seems like every single thing that you otherwise would have been concerned about North Carolina in the past, this team at some point already this year has addressed. Um, For the most part, potentially. I mean, look, I think there's still going to be elements that Carolina, the bridges Carolina has to cross, okay? I mean, remember now, Coach Brown wasn't exactly thrilled when the schedule came out. You may recall that part, right? And it was the Um, end of the schedule that he was not fond of. That's right. So there's still bridges to cross for Carolina. Um, Look, I I think they're talented. I think they're significantly better on defense. Do I think they're Georgia two years ago? No, I don't. But I think they're good. Can they be TCU Uh, from last year? Possibly. Sure. Sure. So could Duke. (laughs) I mean, you know. Are you at a place with North Carolina now that you see because of what they've done, the amount of trust they've earned by what they've done. You could say Virginia at home, at Georgia Tech, home against Campbell. No, We're going to get to Duke at 9-0. I cannot say at Georgia Tech, and neither will they. And you can't say Virginia at home either because you remember last year in Charlottesville, that was a one-possession game 
late third quarter. Oh, but you know it's a different deal when it's doesn't at matter. Virginia. Doesn't matter, and, and that's what Carolina has to do. Carolina has to understand what I thought Miami understood, but apparently they don't. That you cannot take a night off. You cannot go the twelve rounds and say, you know what, I'll cash out in round six. You can't do that. Because the boxing analogy of 12 rounds is better than the you only get 12 chances at this. Because the boxing analogy of 12 rounds means you can't take round seven off or round six, which Miami chose to take off. And they chose to take off round six, and what happened? They got beat. And then guess what happened? They lost round seven, right? Mm -hmm. So Saturday night, Tim Taylor and I have basically what amounts to a, in my opinion, a title game in Charlotte elimination. The winner can stay in the hunt. The loser is no longer available. You follow me? Yes. Okay. Now, I didn't say BCS. I didn't say CFP. I didn't say Final Four. I just said the Subway ACC Championship game. Yes. Okay. Because without divisions existing anymore, you you got to – It's narrow. Like Miami. It's really hard to project. It's hard to see a path for Miami. It's hard to see a path for Miami with two losses if you don't have a tiebreaker with, say, Carolina. Correct. And had Duke lost Saturday night, I wouldn't have eliminated Duke because they would have a tie-breaking opportunity Saturday in Tallahassee, even and, with the loss. And Louisville, oh. who obviously Louisville, had that Pittsburgh loss. What are you doing? Yeah. Again, I mean, it happens every week, Josh. You don't need – if I'm a coach, you just got to put the teams and the games up on your board, on your whiteboard every Monday. Hey, guys, if we don't bring it, this could be us. Love this comment. That. And I think that I, I think that's what it has to be, man. I really do. In today's college football, we it's like the NCAA basketball term. We ride with winners. And the ACC's fortunate. You got a great game Saturday night with Florida State and Duke. You got a great game with Clemson, Miami with high stakes. You're gonna have this is what winning in September did for the league. When you got through and beat all those other teams, especially the Southeastern Conference. You stole some of the thunder, and now you can fortify your thunder in October and then knock on wood, you get to November, nobody's talking about you being a worthless football league like they were in July. Congratulations. Um, uh, Kyle, to the who? Amazon driver, just wrote in and said that Wes just blew my mind with that boxing analogy. So your, your boxing analogies, golf analogies, baseball analogies, especially if you're Roy Williams, always seem to hit. Ferdy Pacheco, I am the fight doctor. Appreciate it. <laughs> Wes Durham is with us here. Uh, one more on North Carolina. Okay. Has these two stats, I think, or I guess we can put this together into one stat, feels like it's important, doesn't feel like it's a coincidence. In North Carolina's first four games without Tez Walker, Drake May, five touchdown passes, four picks. In the last two, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Has... Has being on this team, granted, small sample size, changed your opinion of North Carolina at all? No, because Elijah Huzzy still lines up in the back, and the linebackers are still good. And Amari and Hampton is still on the football team. Yeah. Of Tez Walker is a player, three touchdowns later, I better say that. Mm -hmm. um, but they've got weapons all over the place. Tez Walker just might be one of the biggest weapons but I, him to score three touchdowns the other night 
pretty strong. But I also think too the you know the force fumble by Bo Atkinson at the goal line, you know knocking it out, getting timely stops defensively, running the ball. What a Hampton almost two hundred yards, right? Didn't he have what one eighty something? Yeah, yeah. He's pretty solid. My, Offensive line, pretty good. It's going to be hard figuring out when voting time comes who the all-ACC running backs are going to be, but Amari okay, and Hampton get, is in that discussion. So is Trey Benson. Oh, 100%. Okay, yeah. so you get three spots, right? Yeah, so those okay. two are going to be right. there. And then you start okay. thinking beyond that, huh. Well, then, no, I, I don't think it's actually going to be as hard as I thought it was a second ago. Probably figuring third? things out. Ah. You know, going into the year, I'm thinking who was on the preseason list. Jordan Houston not around at NC State anymore. Will Shipley? Yeah. Shipley's the easy answer. Um, May not be, though. Uh, Got to score more than 17. You do. You do. I. You. It's not the quarterbacks we talk about being incredibly deep. Running backs, it was hard a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. This year doesn't seem that hard. But, um, it's gonna be interesting. Have you uh, done Jawar your... Jordan? Jawar Jordan wouldn't be a bad ad. No. Have you done Sorry. your Have you done your deep dive on basketball yet? No, sir. ACC tip off. We're eight days away. Good luck. Women and men's. Yep. Good luck. <laughs> Buckle up. We got preseason you, poll today. You You will You will be there next week. I will not. Oh well, you will be missed. I, I want to run this past you. So okay. I've been I've been talking with some. Um, the last few weeks, one of my favorite things about going to college games is you get to know some of the regional scouts from NFL teams. And I'm sure, they're glad to talk to you. You know, strangely, strangely <laughs> enough, you guys build... are good. They're those guys are really good. I right. like all those guys. So, yeah. But one of the things is, uh, I was interested in the way that people discard and dismiss quarterbacks so quickly. We talk about them so long. Leading up to the draft, but then the draft gets here, and it's like, well, this guy's old news. This next guy's a lot better. And the first time it really registered with me was when everybody just assumed Trevor Lawrence would have been the number one pick of the draft that Joe Burrow was in. And I'm like, well, we just saw it in the national title game, and we also saw Burrow have the best college season ever, and he's an Ohio kid, and Cincinnati's number one. It feels like every single year it's always, who's the next guy? They're better than the ones that we've broken down to a pulp. And that's the point that the scouts made to me, that – you know, when you, you're done breaking down a guy for to, like, rubble after five months, every right. throw he has, he's not going to look as great as the guy you haven't done that for. I feel like with me, Bryce Young, I think if the Panthers had their option today, Bryce, Caleb Williams, or Drake May, they probably still go Bryce Young because of what... And I know it's easy to say that after Caleb performed the way he did against Notre Dame... But really, it's playing in that conference that he played in and his losses being five touchdowns in Knoxville and a two-point play in LSU in Baton Rouge. I feel like people have forgotten how great of a prospect Bryce Young is. Sure. And it's a testament to how quickly you can be discarded in favor of what's next. Yeah. I mean, I could argue C.J. Stroud. I could argue... You know, I look at Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams and, you know, people are going to look at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young's impact this year as they measure Caleb Williams. You've watched both of them in person already this year, right? Stroud and Young. Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I understand the comparables. I understand the contrast. I also understand, too, that the Notre Dame tape is going to make the rounds on Caleb Williams. Because not necessarily is Caleb Williams the number one pick. It's going to depend on the team that has the number one pick. I mean, you know, years ago, 50 damn near, there was a guy named Kenneth Sims who was the number one pick out of Texas. He was a defensive tackle, right? Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people in 2008 that wanted the Falcons to draft Glenn Dorsey out of LSU and not Matt Ryan. Those same people probably thought Jalen Carter would be the bigger piece, not Bajan Robinson this week, this this past year. You have to remember that right now we don't know for sure who has the number one pick. We don't. That, and we also have to account for who's coaching that team and who the general manager of that team is. And does that team value the draft pick over the salary cap? Does that does that team, you know, let's just assume for the moment they're not going to be a great team, okay? They're going to have a tough year this year. And when you look at that team, you have to decide, okay, where are we in the salary cap? Where are we in free agency? And then how does that equate or how does that marry with what we want to do in the draft? That's the discussion that every team has to have. And they have to, believe it or not, create a priority. Free agency, draft, whatever, right? Current players, you know. And a lot changes during the course of the NFL season. It's a long year, but it's also an impactful year as it relates to the long term of your team. Plus, the other part is you don't know where teams are from a draft pick inventory standpoint. As well, I recall, I know the, where Carolina is right now. They don't have one. Not deep. They not don't deep. have a first round pick next year, do they? Or the year after. They have a they have a they have some commodities on their football team that might be able to get them some more draft capital. <laughs> right now. Everyone uh, everybody not named Bryce Young and Brian Burns, I think. Are I would even say zero is a commodity that would be potentially on the block. See, I, 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 the reason I feel differently about that than I do, say, McCaffrey, there's a shelf life at that position that I'm not worried about for 25-year-old Brian Burns. Like, how, how old did Bruce Smith and Reggie White and Julius Peppers oh, play too for, effectively? Yeah, they played for three different teams, four different teams. Yeah, they were, I mean, very impactful football players for a long time. I think Brian Burns is an impactful football player for a long time, and a lot of people know that who have draft picks available to you. A lot different. So that's what makes it different than, say, some saying, well, you shipped off Christian McCaffrey a year ago. You shipped off DJ Moore. It's a lot harder to find guys at that premium. What did you get for Christian McCaffrey that is beneficial to this team in 24 and 25's draft? Uh, because that's the draft we're talking about where you don't have we a are. pick. We are. And I guess what it, it allowed for you to give up those picks in order to get Bryce, because part of that compensation was for that trade that you're talking about there. You know, for a long time around here, Atlanta was criticized for what they traded to get Julio Jones, the move up, right, for mm -hmm. Julio Jones, until it was realized what exactly they gave away and what was used with those draft picks by the Cleveland Browns. That's who they did the trade. That's for. my bigger point with the Brian Burns thing. Who's trading for these picks? Contenders. Okay. Are you going to draft something that equates to a guy at that premium position? Running back and wide receiver, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. Not as premium and hard to find right. as the edge rusher is, in my so opinion. So my, my question then would be, I guess, I'm sure Will's loving this. The, uh, the, the question that I have here is, what's the most important priority right now for the Carolina Panthers? You Remember how we started this? Capital, 
draft inventory, mm-hmm. do you value the draft over free agency, or do you draft? Are you looking salary cap long term here? What's your cap look like in twenty four? What's your cap look like in twenty five? Because that will ultimately determine whether free agency trumps your draft. You follow me? I do. Okay, so Atlanta, the last two years prior to this year, prior to B. John Robinson first round and Anya Mata and Caden Ellis and all these guys showing up, right? Calais Campbell. Atlanta, because they didn't have any salary cap available, they had to value the draft and do as much as they could with the draft, right? Mm-hmm. The Panthers have to – that's the question you have for Scott Fritterer and Frank Reich and David Tepper and whoever else is willing to discuss it. I've got – I wish I had time, but I don't, to get uh, food recommendations in New Orleans and Baton Rouge. I'm going to be there Thursday and Friday. My wife's never been. We're staying in the French Quarter, and then we're going to an LSU football game on Saturday Okay, night. the real easy answer for New Orleans is this, Galatoire's. What's Galatoire's? It's a restaurant. Okay. Galatoire's is the real deal. All right. Writing this down. Right. And you go to, you go to Cafe Du Monde mm-hmm. to get the beignets and the chicory and the coffee. Done. I didn't realize because it was before the NFL schedule that I planned this trip. Saints play in New Orleans on Thursday night. So we're staying in the French Quarter Thursday night. Saints Jaguars happen to write down the road. Nobody's ever had a bad time in New Orleans. Is this your first time? Oh, no, 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 no. We were hanging out at the Final Four, I think, last year. Oh, two years ago, you mean? Oh, yeah, that is. Yeah. Well, no, it was 22, but two basketball seasons ago. That's it, yeah. All right. It's good to see you, by the way. I, I got that Galatoire's written down. That's that's the Galatoire's plan. is a good spot. It won't do you wrong. And if you don't, you want to go there. If you can't get in there, call Clancy's. Got it. Right here. Clancy's or Galatoire's. You're the best Western. All right, man. Enjoy the Take call. Care. You got Florida Thanks. State Duke on Saturday, right? No, sir. What do you have? That's Chris Fowler, Kirk Herb Street, and Holly Rowe. No kidding. I didn't realize that got ABC billing. What can we expect will, Saturday night? Uh, that's, that's ABC. I will be Clemson-Miami Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Oh, the elimination game. <laughs> the Charlotte elimination game, of course. There you go. Western. All right. Thanks Take so much. Take care, guys. Thanks. Be well.